Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by my company, One Circle Media. One Circle Media is a hybrid digital agency and media content creator. We create and design apps, websites, videos, social media content, and physical products. We are artists, directors, designers, producers, coders, editors, thinkers, makers, and creators who embrace story and creativity from design, web and app development, animation, docs, features, TV shows, digital and social media content to physical products. For our clients, we create content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a network, studio, brand, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. This episode is also brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of your child's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy, leaving money under their children's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into video. Just tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the tooth fairy then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes, and you can then save it to your phone and share it on social media. The app is available for the iPhone and Android, and it's free to download. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Working Experience. The working experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on Stand the- clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. They're moving in a different and after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. moving his Sexual toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I can't. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Working Experience Podcast. It's Maddie Kay. And John, welcome, everyone. Now, when someone mentioned the GDP to me, I thought that was a 90s rap band. Um... But Wasn't there a, a 90s rap band with something similar like that? A G? Down with no? OPP. OPP. Yeah. There we go. See, I had it confused with Naughty by Nature. What it actually is for our listening audience, and this is why you guys tune in to get the knowledge, it's the gross domestic product. We don't mean gross like your grandpa after a big meal. Gross is like money. Right, you gross your your product, your your uh, yeah. I don't know how to <laughs> whatever that. Well, is. Gr- gross is like the totality of right 
the domestic product as opposed to like net. So, so net, gross would be the entire thing. It's like your gross pay before they take out all the taxes. Then you get your net pay. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this is very commonly used to measure. Not only, I mean, it's meant as an economic measure, but it has been more broadly uh, the, the criticisms as of late by some economists and uh, societal watchers is that it's been used as like a catch-all to say how well a country is doing, how well its citizens are doing. And to me, after I'd read up on this a little bit, um, it was like saying, okay, that family earns between mom and dad $750,000 a year. That family's doing great. And that's it. It's just a measure. You just look at their income and the kids are yeah, great. But, but uh, dad's got a nasty coke habit and he's got two prostitutes on speed dial. Well, what they're not measuring, and that this is the, um, I hadn't really thought about it. I mean, I just thought gross domestic product. It's, it's literally how much your, the country produces. And that's what it was based on. Um, originally it was, uh, John Maynard Keynes, who was, um, I know well, it's, it's also what the the nation produces, but it only follows certain goods. It's well, not, yeah, I was it's gonna, not everything. Well, the thing is this was developed by John Maynard Keynes, who even I've heard of this guy as being an economist. It was developed during wartime. It was developed during like world war two. And it was basically to see how, uh, England, could it, it well it was developed somewhat before he didn't come up with the idea but he refined the idea to what we know it today and it was basically like um how much a country could produce who were its customers he refined it by adding in the government as being a consumer so if during wartime the government needs a certain amount of steel needs a certain amount of shoes whatever it is uh so the the gross domestic product goes up because there's a lot of goods being produced there's a lot of goods being purchased. And that meant everything was good. Economy's strong. Everything's great. But what it does not measure are costs. So basically the criticism is like, okay, you're measuring how many cars are produced. You are not measuring the impact on the environment. Like that's totally taken out of the equation. Which yeah, these I mean, days is a big expense. Yeah, so climate change... Income, income inequality, uh, the, just kind of the general happiness of the nation. I mean, you could, for instance, you know, have people work 20 hours a day and sleep two hours and the GDP is going to shoot through the roof because you're, you know, you're shooting out widgets, but you're probably going to have a problem of workers jumping off the roof and killing themselves. Right. There's that. I mean, there's that idea of happiness. So again, I go back to the family analogy, like, you know, mom and dad are earning 750 grand a year, but it's not measuring the impact of like, they're never at home because they're working all the time. They never go to their kids' sporting events. Um, you know, maybe their kids. Are... Oh, this is, uh, this is hitting a little too close to home. Yeah. I know. I'm going to, I'm going to have to check out of this podcast. John's house is in disarray. <laughs> <laughs> There's no one manning the ship. That's the problem. Well, the, John's wife is raising three children. Let's just let's just leave it at that. Correct. <laughs> okay. with, with me being the most exactly. difficult. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it, it doesn't measure because 
those things are uh, not really quantifiable in dollars. I mean, well, I guess you could say if um, someone is, you know, their, their parents aren't home, they're never paying attention to them, they develop a drug habit, you could maybe measure it in those terms. They don't get a job, they flunk out of college, they're in rehab, whatever it is. But basically, it's just looking at that house and saying, okay, last year, mom and dad were earning $600,000 a year. Five years later, they're earning 700000 So they are improving measurably $100,000. But it's not measuring, you know, all the being away from home and all the other stuff that, that I just mentioned. So. But I think this also reflects, you know, society in general is that we as a society of value someone who makes a lot of money and not necessarily someone who has a an upstanding character or you know we we value someone who makes a million dollars a year much much higher than someone who is maybe you know volunteers is very generous is very kind to other people we we look for that alpha leader in the pack, and then we we kind of like latch on to them. That's that's the good old United States. I mean, we we wear that GDP number like on our chest, right? It's it, yeah, it is indicative of like I'm earning more money, ergo I'm doing better than you. And for most people, it's not it, not it's, even ergo I'm doing better than you. I am better. Than I you. am better than you. I'm a better person. No, I'm I'm being I'm serious. Well, look at the way, like, movies are measured. This started with Jaws, where they would put out... Jaws was, like, the first big multi-cinema open on the same day. Like, they started that whole paradigm. And then they started uh, posting in that era. And I think it started with Jaws, and, and then Star Wars brought it to a whole new level. Started posting the box office, you know, the amount of money they made. I, is there a term for it? I forget. The box office take Bo- or whatever. Box office, yeah. Yeah. So, meaning if... And, and this is the way people really do seem to look at movies, just for example. If this movie, movie A, earns more than movie B, movie A is better. It's a better movie. And that's it. That's the only measure of anything. And it's like... I mean, when you think of, like, the Oscars... I was reading about someone who famously... He's an actor. George C. Scott. He would not attend the Oscars. I forget what he was nominated for, and I don't know if he won. But he said it was totally ridiculous. He was like, why are you saying, like, my performance was better than someone else's? Like, or this movie's better than that one? Like, there's some sort of rubric? I mean, really, if if the Oscars were real, it would all just be measured in money. Because there you go. You know, this... But my point being, like, that's how we measure like music like oh this artist earned you know however many millions last year so that artist is better than that one and it's like well yeah i mean it's too you're trying to measure art and creativity you know it's which becomes i think all those like the oscars the academy awards all that stuff becomes very very dicey very political about who and what wins Oh, I think it's totally political. I mean, honestly, how does anybody say this movie is better than that movie? I mean, it, so much of it is... I mean, some movies are demonstrably awful. Uh, any yeah, movie... Yeah, I think, I think that could, that's universal. 
Any like movie it, that features an animal as its star, I'm not going to go see that. We're, yeah. we're done. <laughs> you know, you, we're usually done. if the Rotten Tomatoes score is a below 20, it's pretty much guaranteed, guaranteed to be a pretty bad movie. Yeah, but, you know, again, that's just, you know, based on them. I mean, there, there are so many movies that other people like that I do not. And there's many movies I really enjoy that other people don't, you know. So, like, what what is... But, but money always factors into it. It's like, with music, I will never forget this guy saying, who is a complete douchebag. He's sort of friends of friends. I don't think you know this guy, but you know people who know him. And I was mentioning a band I liked, and they never charged more than five dollars. Yeah, j- just uh, just to interject. I think don't use. I don't think you're allowed to use the term douchebag. I think we've been over this before with you. Hey, you I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm saying publicly on this podcast, I'm against the word douchebag. Matt, you go ahead and use it. Mister politically correct. <laughs> Thank God. Always have... jumping in. Always jumping. Signaling. <laughs> Signaling. Is it? A, did I? Um. What do they call it? I triggered you. Did I trigger you? It was a micro offense. That's aggression. what it was. Microaggression. A tr- you, yeah. Right. A microaggression. That's it. Microaggression. Yeah. So this guy. I was mentioning a band I really liked. Historically, they never charge more than five dollars per show. They just and they could have charged a lot more. It was just part of the ethos of the band. Any uh, any concerts they played in their hometown of Washington D.C. were always benefits for women's shelters, whatever it was. His comment: Well, they can't be much good if they only charge five dollars. <laughs> Not shockingly, it. this guy works in finance. So, like to him, I realized like. Because I was looking at him like, what are you, stupid or something? I don't think I said, are you stupid? But I was like, that's so dumb. Like, what? And then I realized, well, that's this guy's job. I mean, he doesn't think in any other terms. Well, what we, we do as a society, we value stuff that costs a lot of money. You know, it's like you can, you can get a watch for like 50 bucks that, you know, will do the trick. Or you could get a $30,000 Rolex. With the Rolex, you're signaling to the world that um, I'm a baller, and I can afford I can afford to spend thirty grand on a watch. Yeah, and congratulations. That's <laughs> that's quite a yeah. talent. Slow <laughs> clap. Quite, slow clap. Slow clap for that guy. I have a watch that belonged to my father. Uh, you know, I took it for sentimental value after he passed away, and. I think he probably paid $20 for it, maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, 15 years that, ago. That sounds about right for Mr. Kerr. Yeah, 20 oh yeah. bucks. I think he begrudged that. 20 is probably on the high side. <laughs> That's probably a little on the high side. He thought he was balling with it. He was like, yo, check it out. But, um, yeah, so to get back to the GDP thing, it's like that was developed in the context of wartime. And then it was just applied. It's been applied across the board. And basically what they're saying is, uh, you know, certain economists are saying, like, it's an anachronism. Like, it doesn't measure correctly. Um, Robert F. Kennedy had a famous saying about it during his 1968 campaign. He said, the GDP measures everything in short except that which makes life worthwhile. Like... They will measure the amount of cars produced, but they will not measure 
the impact on the environment due to emissions. Like that doesn't. Well, don't don't they have like a happiness index in like Sweden or Norway is number one? Isn't that right? I think it was Iceland. I well, I heard one time that it was Iceland, and somebody from Iceland, like a sociologist from Iceland, attributed it to binge drinking. It was pretty funny. (laughs) He said, in the culture in Iceland, you go out on Saturday night, you go nuts. Like, you go hard. But the rest of the week, you're dry as a bone. So anyway, I don't don't know. Isn't that because, like, don't they have, like, certain time of the year, they have, like, two hours of sunlight? Yeah, and they talked about that, too. But I guess people in Iceland are are generally pretty happy and whatnot. I mean, I don't know. Uh but yeah, like the GDP doesn't take any of that into account. Like forget emotional well-being or any of that. And they also don't talk about income inequality. So it's just like, how much is the nation producing? Like it doesn't account for the fact that like 1% of the population in the United States controls however, you know, umpteen percent of the wealth. And a lot of other people are living, you know, if not below the poverty line, they're not living well. And, and enough people are living below the poverty line. So it doesn't take, it's, it's like, it's never the cost. It's always just like, no, we produce this, we produce this, we produce this. And there's no measurement of the net, I guess. It's always gross domestic product, when I guess it really should be the net domestic product. Like, how much is this costing us in other ways? Like any other business would be assessed. You know, like a restaurant makes five thousand or ten thousand dollars in a weekend okay but you got to pay the wait staff you got to pay the cooks you got to pay the electricity you know it's it's not ten thousand dollars at the end of the day well i mean all of these you know all of these things are hard to quantify right like you produce a car and then how do you quantify the negative aspects of all the emissions and resources taken to produce that car Right. And, you know, that car contributes to um, people, you know, you could even make a point. It's it's people being isolated from one another. What's the social impact of that? Um, You know, what's the social impact of commuting, you know, five hours a day and not seeing your family or your family being based in Houston? You know, your job then gets moved to Chicago your family doesn't move, so you move. Like, what's the mental implications of that? I mean, all of this stuff is very, very difficult to quantify. It's just easier to just measure a couple of goods with the GDP. And, you know, the press loves it. It's like, oh, everything's going smoothly. And they publish that number and everyone's, uh, you know, smiles. Well, and they're also saying that leaving aside all the environmental implications and societal implications it's just so outdated like this was developed in 1940 like our economy has changed so much to a service-based economy and you know things like uber and you know uh what those you know uber eats and uh what's that thing where they go and pick up products for you Uh, there's there's doordash doordash all that stuff like that's not producing anything it's not producing anything more and technology like look at newspapers and magazines they're not really producing those anymore books in their physical form are are probably falling off cds i mean they don't you know 
I guess or, they, or like, you know, Airbnb. They right. essentially created a, a social platform where people now earn money off of their residence, which was, you know, I mean, people did do that before, but now it's at, at scale. Like you could just, you have an extra bedroom, you can rent it out and make some extra money. Yeah. And um, things like Facebook, like that's not, that doesn't produce anything. Instagram, Twitter, like there's no product. There's no like factory producing the widget. So to try to like the GDP can't, the way it's calculated right now, it can't really handle that. Like it doesn't measure that. So it's just become a very arcane way of, you know, obviously measuring the wealth of a nation. And it's also just very simple. Like it's easy for Donald Trump to say our economy is growing. But the other thing is like, well, what's the end game? Like, how much does the economy grow? How much are we going to produce? Like, where, where is this like, where's it all going? Like, how many cars are there going to be? How, how many laptops, phones, watches? Well, I just, I just read that, you know, the, the U.S. economy is driven right now somewhere around 70 to 80 percent of consumer consumption. So if good old uh, Johnny Consumer st- stops wanting to consume, we're in some big trouble. That's what they're always pushing people to do. It's almost like you're guilted. Like, well, consumer, you know, consumership was down last month. It's almost like you're not doing your job to get out there and buy crap. Oh, it's, it, it's patriotic. Remember when Bush told everybody to go out and shop like a couple of months after 9-11 to spur the economy? Yeah. Like, you're supposed to go support your local businesses and all that. Like, I get that, you know. But, like, sometimes I don't need whatever it is they're selling. Like, I don't really... As soon as I hear that, I just go out and buy useless stuff. Clown shoes. (laughs) Right. Snuggy blankets. (laughs) Just throw it in the garage. I saw in the supermarket you could buy weighted blankets. Oh, yeah. Is is there some... That's a thing. That's a thing. It's like... You're supposed to, um, you know, feel secure with a weighted blanket. I don't. I don't feel like I'd be able to breathe well. I don't. I don't. The concept doesn't appeal to me. Well, I have a. Uh, I have a dog, uh, sixty pound English bulldog that likes to sleep on me, either my <laughs> legs or my chest. So you're all so good. <laughs> I'm all good. That's my weighted blanket. Are you actually able to sleep with the dog in the bed? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's been sleeping in the bed. She's six years old now. She's been sleeping in the bed since day one. Oh, yeah, I, I can sleep. Like, no problem. How do you move around? I just kick her. Just move her. Just I, I move around a lot when I sleep. Like, I'm always, like, shifting. No, I, sli- I, sleep like a, I sleep like a dead person. Oh, really? I could literally sleep in a coffin. See, I, I, I go to one side. That I can't lie on my back. I, don't, I can't sleep on my back. I have to, like, go one side or the other. So. I usually stay on the, my back for the majority of the night, mm. and then somewhere around 4 a.m., right before I'm going to wake up, I go on my side. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, as usual, we veered slightly off topic. <laughs> but that's all right. That's all right. It's good. It's all good. Well, um, well India is, is measuring, they're going above and beyond uh, the GDP. And they're and they're trying different metrics, um, a a human development index, an HDI, 
which encapsulates health and knowledge apart from economic prosperity. Yeah, but isn't India also like massively polluted? Uh, yeah. yeah. Why do you, you got to be a downer? Why do you got to be a, a party pooper? Well, I think when I was uh, doing a little research myself, some of this was in response to that, that it's like, good Lord, like we, you know, America is experiencing this obviously wildfires in california we've had some wild weather but i think india and china really seem to be like china is apparently mobilizing their army to plant like millions of trees because it's gotten so bad yeah china now is at the forefront of uh solar technology and renewables because they're i mean the the smog index or the pollution indexes in major cities in China is ridiculous. I, my former business partner lived in, uh, I want to say it was Shanghai, but it, it could have been an, another large Chinese city. And the apartment complex had filtered air. So the air you breathe in the apartment complex was filtered. And then they had filters in their apartment to filter that air again. People would routinely wear masks. And some days they, you would go out and it would look like it would be hard to see. The particulate matter was so dense and it was very, very bad for your health. You know, I... One of the things about this GDP, the, the problems with it, is that it affects policy. And, like, there is no more stark example to me than we just pulled out of the Paris, what is it called again, the Paris uh, Climate Agreement? Yes. And Trump's big reason was it costs too many jobs. So their point, critics of the GDP, then, like, not only is this not an accurate measure, it's making politicians are making bad policy decisions based on it so we're pulling out of that and meanwhile climate change deniers are starting to sound like flat earth people like how can you deny that this is going on like look at china look at beijing shanghai places like that you know oh look look at you don't even have to look that far look at america california is burning hurricanes are getting worse tornadoes storms i mean here in the and i don't know if you've you've been up on the news there maddie but we have a this coming week we're supposed to dip below freezing because we're going to get an arctic swing uh in early november and this is due to the fact that the jet streams because of global warming um the it's normally a a tight kind of circular jet stream that keeps the arctic air up in the arctic but now with the fluctuations in temperature that band breaks and then that arctic air spills down into us yeah and i i believe places like alaska and whatnot are actually experiencing higher temperatures than we do now in those months correct but you know that that's still for the average american i think is somewhat abstract Again, you look at China, you see people wearing masks. Like, to me, that is a very stark indicator that something 
is wrong. I remember this guy when I was out in L.A. about four years ago. He's a cab driver. Drove us from the airport into uh, Century City. And he was talking. He liked to talk, you know. And he said he lived in L.A. all his life. And he said, you know, when they started the emissions restrictions, like L.A. was famous for its smog. I remember that in the 70s and the 80s. They would have a smog index. You'd see pictures of it. That all cleared up. And he said that was because of that. So now they don't have smog. And it's like, it's not brain surgery. You know, it's not rocket science. Like, you control the admissions. The yeah, emissions, but the, pro- and- the problem is, is it's not, it's a global issue. It's not a nation issue. Yes. So you is- have to get, you know, like the Amazon rainforest. That's basically the lungs of the earth. It they are it's burning. They're they're tearing down uh, acres and acres for to to raise cattle. And th- the issue is, you can't even if the United States leads the way in you know environmental and renewables and all that good stuff. You still have China and India that could you know drag us down. So then the U.S. would then go to China, India and say, listen, you guys got to cut down, blah, blah, blah. But we went through the same thing they're going through in the Industrial Revolution when we were burning coal and wood to get to where we're at. So they would say, hey, you guys did it. Why are you telling us that we can't do it? Well, you're walking around with masks on. That that might be one thing. But I think like China's figuring that out themselves. Like we can't live like this. Like this is not No, no, China, China is China is figuring it out, but you have to get everybody on the same playing field. And it's not just the air quality, it's the oceans. It's also the soil. Um this is and and soil is not something that you hear about in in the news, but Soil, the health of soils is a very, very huge problem because corporations now have taken over farming and it's, what's the term, monoculture or monocrop, monocrop. So, you know, traditionally you would, you'd have a farm and you would rotate your crops to maintain healthy soil. Well, corporations don't have the time to rotate the crop. They're just going to plant corn, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of acres, and then they pump chemicals into the soil to up the yields. And then those soils will eventually become dormant. And that's a real, real problem. If we run out of food, that's a problem. Yes, and the GDP does not measure all of those costs. So, um I guess, folks, when you're listening to economic forecasts and whatnot, I mean, they rarely talk about these things on the news. It's just like the economy's strong, the economy's strong. And like, that's nice and everything. And it's it's pretty good now for people. And, and the other side of the coin is people need jobs, you know. So a strong economy has people get, you know, has them working. But as these people would simply point out, the gross is not it. Like it's, there is a, a, there are costs. It's, it's more like, all right, what's the net here? Like, what are we losing? But we like things very simple. We like numbers. We like big numbers. We like that arrow going up on the Dow Jones. And, uh, 
So do well, it's I. Like an ice, it's like an iceberg. We like to see the nice top, nice icy, but we don't we don't want to look below the surface and deal with the the ninety percent that's down there that could get a little dicey. I I apply that strategy to my life. I just like to keep it right on the surface. Everything's great. I show up at work with a big smile on my face. Everything's wonderful and rosy. And the murky rosy. masses below. Oh man, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> despair. <laughs> despair. Utter despair. Of despair. All right, folks. Well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, hopefully, this was informative. Please like us on social media. Stay tuned. We have some very interesting uh, interviews coming up in the next few weeks. Some really good guests coming on. So, which are they are way more well informed, articulate, and intelligent than I am. So, at least you'll have that. I'll throw myself into that bucket, and that's an understatement. Yeah, a, a vast understatement. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. All right, thanks everyone. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app, the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build engage and entertain your audience reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com i would love to hear from you and that's it the end the sweet end until our next audio encounter